0: chapter twenty two of miss d dunmore bryant by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty two just common sense when benjamin foster bryant walked away from judge dunmore's door that morning he almost wondered whether he had not grown a little since he left home so much had been compressed into the last two hours it was hard for him to realize that only two hours had passed since he saw his mother he remembered that he had agreed with Line to come back and get a piece of her johnny cake he laughed over the thought johnny cake was the last thing he wanted just now hungry he certainly was not although he had not expected to eat a dozen mouthfuls at the judge's table and was not at this moment aware whether he had eaten much or little his appetite was undoubtedly satisfied the steak had been so juicy that it was impossible after the first taste to help taking another and another and by the time the third mouthful was reached he had become so interested in what judge dunmore was telling that he ate right along without thinking much more about it turning the corner he came almost upon rufus kedwin before he saw him said that young person have you gone blind or are you studying how to make another machine like the one which has bewitched you i'll be thumped if you haven't it along do you take it with you when you go on errands ben laughed pleasantly did i run into you he asked i was so busy thinking that i never even heard your step oh no i don't take my machine along generally This morning was an exception, though I fancy it will often walk out with me after this. "'What this are you talking about? Where have you been?' "'You would never guess,' said Ben, his round face breaking into a broad smile. "'I've been out to breakfast, old fellow, and a good breakfast we had, too. Did you ever eat California peaches? I can tell you they are prime.' "'Out to breakfast? Where?' at judge dunmore's bah said rufus with a look of intense disgust on his face what's the use in chaffing a fellow so early in the season it isn't april fool yet and if it were i'm too old a bird to be caught with such a silly fool as that why don't you tell me in plain english what you mean i used as plain english as i could and i told you the exact truth i have been taking breakfast with judge dunmore and his wife i went because i was invited and we had a splendid breakfast california peaches and all how came you to asked rufus whose mouth was wide open now as well as his ears i mean how came he to invite you what does it all mean well i'll be switched if you aren't a lucky fellow this was rufus's final exclamation as by means of much cross-questioning he at last understood the whole matter i don't think there is any luck about it said ben growing dignified i learned to write on a machine when i had a chance and you didn't learn though you had the same chance and because i knew how to write on that one i had a small one given to me which you said you wouldn't have for a present If you couldn't have a large one, you didn't care for any. And I learned to write on that, and got a chance, by the means, to do some work on it for Judge Dunmore. Where's your luck about that? I call it luck. Who would have supposed that a man, and a big lawyer at that, would ever want work done on such a baby machine? I thought it was only a plaything for Daisy. Ben laughed good-humoredly. He could afford to laugh even though his treasure was called a baby machine. Hadn't it earned 25 cents this very morning, with a chance to repeat the experiment tomorrow morning? Who did you suppose would care how small a machine was if it could do the work? he asked. I should consider that an advantage, just as you would, let me tell you, if you had to lug around one of the large machines. They are a trifle heavier than this. Well said rufus mournfully if i'd had the least idea it would ever amount to anything i should have learned to clatter the old thing when mr reynolds told me i might i wouldn't mind earning a quarter i know in that way or most any other i haven't had a cent of spending money since christmas and only fifty cents then ben tried to think when he had had fifty cents for spending money and could not but this he said nothing about. I'll tell you what it is, he said, speaking earnestly. I've told you you made a mistake, don't you know I have, in not learning things when you had a chance. They fit in somehow when you don't expect them to. I wasn't sure, of course, that learning to run that machine would ever do me any good, but I meant to try for it so long as I had the chance, and you see how it has turned out it isn't luck it is just common sense now look here i'll make you an offer you can learn to run this little fellow i'll give you a chance if you will come over to our house evenings regularly we'll divide up the evenings line will work on it half an hour and i'll take it half an hour and you may have half an hour and the rest of the time we'll each work on our lessons and recite together wouldn't that be a good plan Rufus shrugged his shoulders. Catch me studying an hour every evening, he said. I go to school all day, I suppose you know, and get studying enough, I can tell you. I forgot you were in school, said Ben, his face grave, his tone almost respectful. It was necessary to have a little respect for a boy who could go to school all day. But then, of course, you have to study some evenings. Line and I used to of course i don't catch me studying evenings after tugging at books all day a fellow has to have some time to himself well then you can have the first half hour and leave if you want to or the second half hour or the third whichever you like and we'll run races on the thing and see who can get up the highest rate of speed or which one can write the most pages without a mistake in them that is after you learn of course it doesn't take long to learn there was no lighting up of rufus's face it wouldn't be of any use he said gloomily two machines are not given away in the same town and if they were there's no work here for machines judge dunmore won't be here but a few weeks and when he goes your machine will be on your hands and you will have had all your trouble for nothing ben could not help laughing what a hopeless croaker rufus was always sighing about chances and luck and saying if i only had still he would make one more attempt you never can tell he said sagely whether a thing will work or not unless you try it i don't ask you to give up a better chance to try this one i just propose that you take some of the time which belongs to you and learn a new thing that may help in the future or it may not now do you want to do it i don't believe i do though you are a good-natured fellow to plan it some boys would not let anybody else touch their things if there was the ghost of a chance for making any money i'd go into it quicker than lightning but you see i know there isn't i believe in a fellow's using his common sense about such things besides i could not learn to do any work that would amount to shucks on such a baby affair don't i tell you i have earned a quarter on it this morning and have a chance to earn one each morning for a week at least asked ben growing indignant at last oh well that's because you had a chance at the big machine and got your hand in line didn't have a chance at the big one and she's learning to write fast oh line she's only a girl she can write fast enough for girls of course what will they ever want to write that needs speed you talk like an idiot declared ben losing his patience utterly but rufus did not want to vex him just yet and answered quickly why i don't mean anything disagreeable about line i mean that girls do not need to work as fast as boys girls have to be taken care of and worked for you know don't your mother and mine have to work rufus kedwin and they were both girls once suppose they hadn't learned when they had a chance though i don't mean that my mother shall have to work when i am a man that's just it i'm going to support my mother too and do it in style none of your little seven-by-nine houses for me i mean to have one as big as the sutherlands what was the use in being vexed with a boy who used so little of his boasted common sense and withal was so good-hearted ben laughed again and concluded to let it all go but rufus had a plan which needed his help i'll tell you what he began earnestly you are such a good fellow that i'm going to ask a favor of you i want you to lend me a quarter there's a special reason why i want one worse than i ever did in my life i do believe If I knew a single chance for earning a cent, I wouldn't bother you, but I don't. And now that you are in the way of earning so much, I thought perhaps... Ben interrupted him. I can't lend money, Rufus. It is part of my bargain with mother that I would neither lend nor borrow. That is, unless I told her all about it and she agreed. If it is something you want to explain to mother and she can spare the quarter, why, we'll talk about it. I don't want to borrow of her, said Rufus stiffly. I thought you said the money was your own. Why, of course, it is my own. Didn't I earn it? But, man alive, what do you suppose I earned it for? Do you think I let my mother support the family and pocket my earnings to amuse myself with? Why, even Daisy, little mouse as she is, knows better than that. Oh, for pity's sake, Ben, don't preach a sermon with every breath i know you are a perfect pattern of a boy and all that never spend a cent for a stick of candy unless you ask your mother but i thought you could accommodate a friend without running home to ask your ma if you might if rufus had not been troubled and vexed he would have known better than to expect to accomplish anything by using that sort of argument with ben his face flushed a little but he was cool and good-humored all right he said then you are mistaken in me and may as well own it your common sense didn't work this time i'm just that sort of a chap i shall run home and ask my ma before i lend you one cent to say nothing of twenty-five of them you may depend upon that and moreover likewise i shall explain to her why i want to lend it and why you want to borrow it before she will agree to the bargain that's another thing you can depend upon and if you thought i would be ashamed of such an arrangement why that is mistake number two suppose it is a secret said rufus in an eager and conciliatory tone he was already sorry he had put his hoped-for quarter in jeopardy by losing his temper um said ben musingly we don't think much of secrets any of us unless it is about christmas or birthday times if it is anything of that kind rufus i know just how you feel but i wouldn't now honest i've been there myself and i know mothers pretty well and i know they would rather go without a present five times over than to have it bought with borrowed money and it isn't because i don't want to lend it either oh botheration you are too stupid and old fogey and green for anything it isn't about a present my mother doesn't have any birthdays not that i ever heard of and she wouldn't thank me to borrow money to make her a present you are right enough there say ben i'll pay you interest on the quarter ten per cent come now you are all for making money and you are willing to make it a quarter of a cent at a time here's a chance for you i don't think you ought to pay interest on money said ben when you haven't an idea where the principle is to come from beside what is the use in talking didn't i tell you that mother and i had a bargain about such things is it something you are willing to explain to her why yes it is if it comes to that you may explain to all creation if you want to and keep your old quarter besides i want to go to the circus barnum's circus that is coming next week and i mean to do it too whether you are too mean to let me have the money or not so now run home and tell your ma i kept you on the corner talking and that is why you are so late i suppose you have to tell her every time you turn around don't you every single solitary time said ben in utmost good humor but rufus you are a sillier boy than i thought if you meant to spend twenty-five cents to go to a show when you told me yourself you couldn't join the history class because your mother couldn't afford a book for you this year a quarter would go a good way towards buying a second-hand history and you are greener than i take you to be if you think my mother will agree to any such borrowing as that well said rufus sullenly you are meaner than i took you to be i thought you would be glad for the chance to help a fellow along who never has any fun when you could as well as not but a boy who takes breakfast with a judge can't be supposed to care to help an old acquaintance i suppose i'll remember in the future how accommodating you are i shall go to that circus you see if i don't and i'll get a chance for you to go too if i can anyhow i'll return good for evil that's right said ben good-naturedly i wish you success in earning the money and common sense to spend it after it is earned i wouldn't waste any of it on the circus if i were you i know that and having reached the corner where their ways separated he ran off without further ceremony while he is on his way home i may as well tell you how the plans for the fair were progressing it is true that very little time had passed since the plan was first thought of yet much work had been done toward getting ready for it what is very strange when one stops to think of it carefully much work was being done for it by those who knew nothing about it for instance there was a plain little room in a back street of a large city where sat a middle-aged woman with a plain pleasant face sewing industriously she was not by any means alone all around her lying in heaps sitting in rows standing in corners sleeping in boxes were dolls of every size and shape and complexion dolls with arms and dolls without arms dolls with hair and bald-headed dolls in fact there were dolls with no heads at all miss perkins arrested her busy needle and looked about her once or twice thoughtfully pushing out of hearing as far as possible a little sigh which wanted to come out into the room the smile which was so generally on her face faded a little and she really tried to look sober and think in fact she did more than think she held at arm's length the doll whose head she was sewing fast to its shoulders and thoughtfully studied its face as she said what in the world am i to do with you when i get you done That is the question, and I'm sure I don't know how to answer it. Not only you, but dozens of others like you. It is a mercy you do not have to eat for a living. That is at present my one comfort in life. But then, if you don't, I do, and I cannot eat you. I'm sure I don't understand how there could ever be cannibals. I couldn't eat even my kid and cloth children, I believe, not if it should save my life but it is getting to be pretty serious business for you and me i must say if i don't sell one of you before the week is out it is difficult to tell what will become of any of us after which the sigh really did get out and floated through the room among those staring children who did not care at all miss perkins felt the lack of sympathy if there had only been somebody to say poor miss perkins i am certain she would have felt better and would not have let that one tear roll down over her nose and plash on the needle she was pushing through a kid arm at the moment i mean if she could have realized that there was one who cared generally miss perkins did realize this and it is what made her smiles bright and steady even through trying days and weeks You have guessed before that this miss perkins made her living by making dollies that is she sewed for a large firm who employed her whenever they wanted extra help they could not take her regularly into their factory because she could not be taken she kept this one room and kept it home-like and kept a few of the old home things about it for the sake of a troublesome little nephew whose only friend she was and who repaid all her sacrifice by being almost as bad a boy as he could and wasting his little earnings in chewing gum and cigarettes if i were you i would send him to some home miss perkins so her friends often said to her and miss perkins would shake her head and say i have i've sent him to my home poor little fellow if there isn't room in my heart for him there isn't anywhere i promised my sister with her last breath that i'd look after him as long as there was life in me and i mean to do it so miss perkins would not break up her little home and go to the factory and it happened sometimes that very little extra work was needed and on this particular winter dory the naughty nephew had tumbled from a scaffolding where he ought never to have been and broken his leg and required much care and some luxuries, and times were harder than usual. Miss Perkins, during the five years in which she had been an extra hand for the firm, had gathered about her many scraps of kid and cloth, and many heads of dollies slightly marred in some way, and so thrown out as imperfect, and had set up a wee manufactory of her own, making dollies to order. The only trouble was, the orders were few and far between only a few of her friends knew about this and they belonged to the class who do not spend much money for dolls it came to pass in the course of time that miss perkins had boxes and boxes of unfinished dolls some needing an arm when the kid gave out just at the wrong minute some with their heads only basted on because an order had come before they were finished this particular spring, times were duller than usual, and Miss Perkins, who had been without work for three weeks other than these dollies afforded, had finally gathered them all about her to discover in a systematic way, if she could, what was needed End of chapter twenty two